effect. And this will cause me to lose my job, cause me to lose my entire family, cause me public humiliation. I'm changing. Welcome to Coffee with a Couple Cure, where we share practical tips for your relationship before you finish your first cup. Here's Jay and Lori Pyatt. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with a Couple Cure. I'm Jay. And I'm Lori. And today we will be covering step seven of the 12 steps. And what's step seven about, Jay? Step seven says we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. So in step six, we... um, we became entirely ready for God to remove our character defects. And then in step seven, which is the action step, we mm-hmm. humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And uh, the difference between character defects and shortcomings, this is one of those things in AA that they make a big deal about. But um, just talking to some guy that's been in the program for years, he said he went back and did the research And basically, the guy that wrote the 12 steps said, I didn't want to use the same phrase twice. (laughs) So whether it's a shortcoming or a character defect, it's something that we need to turn over to God. Well, what what is the typical objection? Oh, it's more about, well, is it a defect? Is it a shortcoming? You know, is it because a defect is almost like it was broken from the start versus, well, it's a shortcoming that I need to work on. And what we basically say about that is if you're asking about it, it's probably something you need to focus on. Because if you if you don't think you're doing it or if other people don't think you're doing it, it's probably not even going to come up as an issue. So if you're asking about it, then the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, you have something to work on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as I've said, there's... Uh, in this middle part of the 12 steps, there's a preparation step, and then there's an action step. And we talked last time about becoming entirely ready for God to remove our character defects. And part of that is getting to a place that we're humble enough to mm-hmm. ask in a way that's not um, presumptuous. Because I know for me, when I was in active addiction, my way of approaching God about this was basically, okay, God, just, you know, remove my, remove my desire from my addiction and everything will be fine. So I was, I was kind of putting it all on him as if, you know, it, it, it I didn't have a part, him. yeah, mm-hmm. that I didn't have a part in it. So my part in it is to be humble about my approach to God, realizing these character defects were things I found to be useful to me, right? So go back to, to episode six, where we talk about these things were effective. They, they weren't healthy, but they were effective for me. And now for me to give them up, if, if I'm holding on to them and saying, okay, God, take them away from me just because I don't want to let go of them, well, that's mm. that's kind of a difficult thing to work with. Oh, and the idea I just had was humbly is the opening of the hand, you right. know, the the willingness to get rid of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the willingness to have it taken away. Yeah, and the other part of the humility is is recognizing how damaging those character defects have been. 
it's it's not enough just to say, well, this is, you know, just something I want to be done with. I want to, you know, work on my resentment or my envy or whatever, but really looking at what has, what damage has my resentment caused? And you have to understand that the damage is probably going to be, especially with uh, sexual addiction issues, the most damage will probably be to your family. Mm-hmm. Really, if it works for you, if you'd rather turn to that than to your higher power when you get stressed or bored or whatever it is that leads you to your addiction, then part of it is admitting it kind of works for you. Mm-hmm. So at at the beginning, you basically have to admit the areas that it actually works for you. And you have to at least come to the understanding that it's unhealthy. And if you don't really feel like it's unhealthy to you, then look at the impact on your family and possibly your friends. Right. Right. And the other part of humbly, um, humbly allowing God to remove these character defects means it's going to be in his time. And so what that means is, you know, if we go back to the example, which for those of you listening to us, I have my fist clenched. And if I, if I'm asking God to take something out of my clenched fist, he's, um, God is a gentleman. He doesn't just rip things out of our hands. Mm -hmm. He waits for us to open our hands and offer them to him. So if God's timing is God's timing, if I clench my fist again, he's not going to take it away from me. So however long I have to wait with an open hand and just say, okay, I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to surrender this until it's finally gone. That's my work. That's my effort to do there, to stay humble, to say, nope, this is still not not a healthy tool for me. And while it, it still shows up from time to time, I'm going to continue to say, nope, I'm just going to let God have this in his time. Meaning you don't go back to it when you're stressed or bored or right, right. needing comfort. The intent is to fully let go of some of these things. Now, let's match that biblically. Um, number one, the, the scripture says to um, make no... Uh, room for the flesh or make no accommodation. Yeah, it's it's like making no accommodation for the flesh, allowing these things to continue. So if I say, okay, God, I want to release to you. um, I got this example off of another really good podcast called Encounter, which is a meditation that I recommend Um, on the Encounter meditation uh, yesterday morning. The guy said, if if I'm making no provision for the flesh, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to give up donuts. God, I'm I'm giving up donuts. So God, when I drive by the donut place, I'm I'm asking that there won't be any open parking spots. But now if there is an open parking spot, what you're saying is that I can get a donut today. And lo and behold, if I went around the block nine times and I found an open parking space, (laughs) that's not necessarily me letting go of, of... that character defect, that's me making provision in the flesh. Another part of scripture that applies here is the humble yourselves before God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. It doesn't say humble yourself once, 
and then get up and do your thing and then humble yourself again and see if that's the moment that God's going to raise you up. It's humble yourselves and stay there and God will lift you up in due time. And something to be aware of is there's a lot of guys that come through our program or at least come to our program thinking, well, I, I've given it to God and he's not taking it away. That's mm -hmm. rarely the way it works. Very few times have we heard that God just completely takes away that desire. Now you have to understand in those moments, in those situations, in those cases, they're typically... they've typically nearly lost everything. Mm -hmm. So they've come to the end of themselves. They've truly seen whatever substance it is, whatever addictive thing it is. They've truly seen it as poison. This will cause me to lose my job, cause me to lose my entire family, cause me public humiliation. I'm changing. So mm -hmm. be aware that unless that's happened in your life, and you are like, no way am I going back to that. Uh-uh. It's just, it's not a good mix for me. If you're not there, then be aware of the temptation to go, God, it's all up to you. You need to take it away. And if you don't, then that must mean it's okay. Because mm -hmm. God has very specific things to say about sexual missing the mark. Um he does call it idolatry, and we know how he feels about that. So he wants you to turn to him. He wants you to stay humbled, and he wants you to kind of show yourself and possibly your wife and possibly whoever's watching how serious you are about this, mm -hmm. that even when you might be tempted, even though the desire isn't just magically removed from your, your heart and soul, that you're going to stay humbled. You're going to wait for him to slowly but surely remove that desire and replace it with something even better, which is what we love about the work we do with couples. Right. Yeah. Now, the the other scripture that we have to look at and balance this out on is what Paul said, which is, I prayed three times that God would remove this thorn in my flesh. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. This is to keep you humble before me. Mm. And one of the challenges that, that I've come across in, the, in working with guys in addiction is either they believe or someone in their life believes that they'll get through the 12 steps and this will never, ever be a problem again. They can go back to drinking, drugging, looking at porn. They can do all these things again and somehow not remain addicted. And that's not how this works. Or we've seen also <clears throat> that they think once I'm past this, then that's it. I'll yeah. never have to struggle again, or I won't have to look at my issues again, which really, in our work, the sexual issue is typically the surface issue. There's a lot of other things that he's doing to harm her that, that still need to be addressed. Yeah. We need to humbly go before God and, and recognize that not only may I never fully be free of this, but there are going to be some things that have to change in my life. Um, it, because I struggle with sexual addiction and the attraction to other women, I don't go to the beach. Mm. Not because I'm not strong enough, which is kind of silly, but because it's... <laughs> It would be like an alcoholic sticking their head in a, in a vat of wine and thinking that they're going to be okay. 
there's just not a safe way um, in most cases for me to engage in certain environments. Mm -hmm. And that's part of that surrender process as well. So I have to, I, I may have to change some of my um, lifestyle to allow me to surrender these character defects because if I keep putting myself in a situation where that keeps coming to the surface, I'm, I'm actually putting myself in harm's way unnecessarily. Now, if I'm near the beach and my child goes missing, Yes, I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to look for my kid. I, you know, but my focus is not on entertainment. Mm -hmm. It is focused on I need to find my child. I need to do something specific. Mm -hmm. And the big book backs that up. It says something along the lines of we'll go into disparate places and we'll be okay. But it says to have a plan for that. And so, um, I, I just I bring all this up because even though you're you're going to see some changes in your life. Again, make no provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in harm's way. It doesn't mean that you're bulletproof. Mm -hmm. And going back to the thing about Jay going to the beach, if you're wired to where the images of other women are have a big impact on you, then understand that surrounding yourself with bikinis would be, you know, we call them visual sips, you know, because you don't have to do anything but see in order to get that high. Mm -hmm. An alcoholic has to take a drink. A, a drug addict has to take the drug. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is see, and there it is. So we call it visual sips, and we try to minimize, or Jay tries to minimize how many sips he takes, you know, by... Uh, we probably shouldn't watch that show if that actress is in it. We um, need to stop watching that show because a certain new actress came on the scene and she's uh, striking that chord in me. Mm -hmm. We probably shouldn't go to the beach, you know, when mm -hmm. when a bunch of um, bikini-clad ladies are there. So that's something to know as far as kind of a difference between uh, a visual addiction versus a chemical addiction. Right. You're going to identify new things that you're powerless over as well, right? So going back to step one, um, we talk about, you know, we're powerless over this particular thing and our lives are unmanageable. If you are powerless over resentment, there's a place to go back to step one and say, okay, I'm wrestling with resentment. I'm powerless over this. It makes my life unmanageable when I'm living in resentment. So now I need to process on that and, and walk through it. So step six and seven are really about identifying um, from step four. So step four is all of the behaviors that help me look at you know, where are my breakdowns? But as I move into step six, okay, um, step four and five showed me that I have, you know, all these breakdowns with family members and other people. In step six, I recognize, oh, that means I'm carrying resentment or envy or anger, whatever it might be. And now I need to work on my stuff, right? I need to surrender it to God. 
I need to look at what am I getting from mm -hmm. my resentment? What am I getting from my anger? What am I getting from my addiction? So that I can let it go and find another way of getting healthy needs met, right? We've, Lori and I have talked about this before, that typically addiction is, is meeting a legitimate need in an unhealthy mm -hmm. way. Yeah. And so you need to go back and through step six and seven, that's a lot of introspective work. That's a lot of looking at ourselves, which just based on my personal experience, addicts are reluctant to do. We don't like looking at our own um, self that deeply because it's painful to, to recognize the damage that I've caused. And as we move into steps eight and nine, we'll, we'll get into kind of a, a tougher part of this, but for step seven, wrapping it up, you may recognize that you're powerless over certain things and you'll have to add those into your step one. Right. Mm -hmm. You'll have to go back and recognize, man, I'm I'm really just powerless over judgment of other people or whatever it might be so that I can go deeper and deeper into my own healing. Mm -hmm. And by adding it to step one, he basically means do this, do the 12 steps on that thing. Right. One thing I want to point out is the ask part of it. I'm assuming it's not ask once. And if it doesn't, if God doesn't lift it, then you're on your own. It's ask and ask and ask and ask. I remember early on when Jay, it was after his first stumble, he's like, well, how do I stop? And I, I'm like, you tell it no. And he's like, well, what, it, what if it comes back? I was like, and then you tell it no, and then you tell it no, and no, and no, and no. So if each time the temptation comes up, you ask God to remove it and then go get busy on something else, go get, go find something that replaces that whatever it is you're seeking out, you know, from your addiction, then you're helping God remove that, mm -hmm. that addiction to it, that, that desire for it. But you have to ask each time. Mm -hmm. And it's not just God, please remove it. Three seconds later, I still feel it. So I'm going to go back to it. No, God, I'm going to ask you again, remove it. Please remove this. Please remove this. Eventually, I think that intensity will decrease and then you'll be able to maybe move on to something more healthy. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.